friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve, and this is your Life is Your Curriculum Part 2. A few weeks ago, I introduced this idea as a way of updating you on why I'd been gone so long from recording. And the idea is simple. The idea is that your very life, your actual life, the one you're living with all of the small and big trials and joys is exactly what you need to grow into the person that you need to become. It's not that thing that you're waiting for to happen. It's not that bend around the corner. It's not that promotion that you want. It's not that relationship you're wanting to get into. It's not even the healing that you're hoping for. That's all out there, and that's all possibility. That's all future. If we really want to grow into the kind of people that know how to deal with reality and know how to pursue the kinds of things that bring substantive change, which is what we need in the world right now, we need to become people who understand how to be present with reality as it really is right now, right here. <laughs> Understanding that that reality is the curriculum that we need in order to grow into the people that we want to become. And so for me, I shared a few weeks ago in part one, you know, some of that reality was just realizing that I had come to a dry place and that I couldn't bear the thought of getting in front of a microphone uh, for things like even my podcast, which I love. I couldn't bear doing extra writing. I couldn't bear doing any writing. And rather than saying, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me, or okay, let's make a plan to get back at it, I took some time to really reflect on why is it that I am in a season of dryness if I am, and I am and I was. And instead of trying to get through it, I decided to just live into it and ride it for as long as it needed to be ridden for. And I think that was a really powerful experience for me. And I'm speaking about it a little bit in the past tense now, because in some ways it does feel like I've moved through the low part of it. But I'm also going to speak about it in terms of present tense, because it's something I'm still definitely dealing with, even as it relates, or even, you know, as exemplified by the fact that I thought I was going to do a couple weeks in a row of your life is your curriculum, like release it one Thursday and then seven days later, release part two. Well, that didn't happen. And so even that, I thought I was ready. I thought I was good to go. I thought I was ready to just roll out two weeks in a row. And it turns out that I wasn't. And that's okay. So uh, I shared some concepts to sort of for you to help live into uh, your life is your curriculum. And some of that is just asking yourself questions like, what am I currently dealing with that I want to get rid of? And if you answer that question, if you can answer it, and then if you can choose a different alternative other than trying to push it away, if you can choose to embrace it, even for moments at a time, embracing reality for what it really is, then uh, you can ride the emotion of it all the way up and all the way down. 
And that's the way to move through it. You don't move through something by choosing to move through it. You move through it by embracing it, welcoming it, and riding it all the way to the end. And you don't get to decide when the end is. <laughs> That's the secret. It's kind of like a pilgrimage where you can say that you know what the destination is. Let's say you're walking 500 miles. You could say, I'm going to Chicago. I'm leaving Minneapolis and I'm going to walk to Chicago. Well, that's all great, but you can't decide when you're going to get there. You can't decide the things that are going to happen to you along the way as you go there. Uh, a journey is a journey because in some ways you don't get to decide when it's over. It's over when you get there, <laughs> but you can't pre-program or control it. And that's frustrating, but it's also really, I think, helpful. Uh, another thing I shared, I think I shared it anyway, was it's helpful to detach from being so controlled by your feelings. And one of the ways I do that, and this is an old Pete Holmes trick, the comedian Pete Holmes, he says that he imagines himself when he gets all caught in some anxiety spiral or some shame spiral, he imagines that he's watching himself as if he himself is a character on a TV show that he really likes. And then when that character uh, is kind of caught in, you know, maybe even making mistakes or getting stuck in things that they've been stuck in forever, and like you would never get super frustrated with that character. You love that character. And so you cheer that character on. You even think it's a little quirky that that, that character is stuck in that same thing again, you know? Well, if you can look at yourself like that, if you can get amount, an amount of detachment from yourself in that, then you can begin to build some self-compassion. You can begin to give yourself some grace for getting stuck in that same old thing again. You can begin to move through it, but allow it to set the pace. Because again, when you're moving through something that's hard, the very real truth is that you don't get to determine when you're done. And if you think you can determine when you're done, then the, there's a large probability that you're going to pretend you're done before you're really done. And, you, and it's just going to come back uh, in a different way, shape, or form. And that's the universe just helping you try to work through something. If you can't do it the first time, that's fine. That's okay. If you abandon it, it really is okay. But it, but it will come back, you know? And so sometimes it takes several iterations and that's okay. But if we can learn to let your life and the curriculum that presents itself to just play out on, on its own terms and, uh, you know, on a very small way, in a very small way, I think that's what I mean by saying like, hey, I thought I was ready to roll. I thought I was ready to get back to a weekly podcast and it turns out that I wasn't. Oh, I love that character. He thinks he's going to be all ambitious. He thinks he's ready. And then it turns out that he isn't. So reflect on this. What, what are some things that you are wishing just were done in yourself or in the world? You know, really think of some of those things. Again, maybe it's a health issue. Uh, maybe it's the dumpster fire that is all that is happening in Washington, D.C. these days with 
an impeachment and an inauguration coming and the horrific events that happened when the white supremacists rioted uh, the Capitol and broke in to the Capitol. And there's a sense of wanting that to be resolved or wanting that to be solved or over or protected or something. And the reality is that situation has been brewing for a long, long time. And we've been seeing hints of it over the last several years. And so this is just the next iteration of the of what's been uncovering for a long time around white backlash and around um, Christian nationalism, the fusing of a Christian religion with the United States and identifying around a certain political party uh, or another. And it could be either one, you guys, either party. I'm not going to pick on one over over the other because I think in in many ways they both play the same game. And so maybe it's that, or maybe it's, uh, again, maybe it's COVID. You just, I can't wait for it to be over. And I can't wait for it to be over. And I'm wishing for safety and protection and all those things around DC. And that's normal and natural to want that. So I'm not talking about denying what you want, but I am talking about the difference between trying to push something away that will flow on its own terms versus embracing the reality that it's here with us for a while. So what would it look like for you to embrace the reality that it's going to be here with us for a while? What would you need? If you can name the thing that you're wishing would go away, and if you're setting an intention that you're instead you're going to try to welcome it, and by welcoming it, I don't mean that agreeing that it's a good thing. Welcoming it just means, okay, I'm not going to fight your presence and I'm not going to try to control when you're over. That's all I mean. And, and, and the point of that is to learn to accept all things and to learn to give, to live in a, in a greater and greater amount of peace, right? And contentment, no matter what happens, because that's freedom. I mean, that's, that would be freedom, right? So if you can name the thing that you're wishing away, and if then you can set your intention to instead of wishing it away, to welcome it and allow it to be here without trying to control the timeline of when it's over, then you have to ask what are the things that you are going to need in order to help yourself live through it, in order to be helped to live through it. So I want to share a few things that have helped me over the last few months as I've tried to do those things, as I've tried to reckon with reality, as I've tried to let my life and the life that's flowing around me be my curriculum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number one, this is going to sound funny, but number one, poetry. I was sitting with my spiritual director and as we've been working through this, one of the things that he asked me is basically, what do you need? And I found myself, uh, first of all, listing what I didn't need anymore. <laughs> you know how that works? Sometimes you don't know what you need, but you need to name what you don't need. And I began to say, like, I, what right now, what I don't need is to read some big, complicated, complex book on detachment. You know, I don't feel like I need that. I also don't feel like I need to feel like I have to, 
you know, do huge amounts of meditation or Bible reading or intentional prayer. All of that is good at its own moment and at its own time. But all of that felt like so much work to me. So he began to ask, well, what, what doesn't feel like work? Like what, what helps you connect emotionally to who you are, to where you want to be and to where you are in the moment, like what helps you? And I, and I said, immediately, I knew my answer. I said two things, music and poetry. There's something about music and poetry when I read it, whether it be Rumi or there's these gorgeous books that I post about all the time called Meister Eckhart's Book of the Heart and Meister Eckhart's Book of Secrets. It's put together by Mark Burroughs and John Sweeney, uh, two great guys that are able to take the non-dualistic and detachment thinking of Meister Eckhart uh, and put them into poetry. And so I have just been loving that, loving the non-dual nature of what I'm reading, uh, loving the beauty and the simplicity of it. These are short, short little poems. Same thing with Rumi. I've even been reading the Tao Te Ching and it, the Stephen Mitchell translation feels to me like poetry, but it's just this wisdom from before the time of Christ about what wisdom really is. And it is about simplicity and gratitude. And it's it, reading that has been so centering and grounding. So I'll just spend a few minutes in the morning, maybe a few minutes during the day if I'm on a break at work and I'll pull out one of these books of poetry. And there's something about it that's very grounding. And the poetry that I'm reading again is a kind of, the kind of ancient wisdom poetry from, you know, from again, from Meister Eckhart, who he wasn't a poet, but these books, Meister Eckhart's Book of Secrets, Meister Eckhart's Book of the Heart, have translated him into poetry that is so beautiful. And music is another one for me. And so music like Brandy Carlisle, Katie Pruitt, uh, and others, the people that sing from their guts, you know, people that sing from their soul. I've also been listening to a little jazz. And uh, so that is helping me stay in the present, connect with my emotions, uh, and be with what is and not wish life away, you know? Another thing has been play. So my son, Isaac, uh, he, he, he's 13, and when he's on a break from school, he'll come down to the basement where I'm working, and he'll say, hey, Dad, I have 15 minutes. You want to play ping pong? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. And so we'll just dink around on ping pong for a while. And there's something about ping pong with me and Isaac that we just end up laughing so hard at the crazy shots. And he's really good. Like he's, he's really, really good at it. So we, but, but the thing is we don't play matches, you know, like up to 21 or up to 11. We just hit the ball back and forth. And when one of us makes a crazy shot or when we hit the ball back and forth in the air, like up to six or seven times, there's something about that that just makes us both die laughing. And that's been helping me. Moments of just silly laughter and joy has been really centering for me, really connecting for me. And um, another thing is connecting with... Um, 
connecting with friends in our bubble. We have a little, little tiny bubble of people that we're pretty safe around that we gather with. And having conversations with those people that are very healing for my soul. We have conversations ranging from sex to politics to theology and puzzles and whatever. And we just have a, 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 a soulful time together, share a meal together. We do dishes together. We um, talk together and it's really, really good. And we affirm each other. We, um, try to, we try to look deeply into each other's eyes. And as we talk, we try to hold each other's space. And that sounds really serious. It's, it's not all that serious. It's just intentional. We try not to talk over one another. We try not to um, dominate, you know. And that, we haven't talked about any of that stuff. I'm just, it's, it's not like we have these values that we name. <laughs> I'm just experiencing it how, I'm just saying it how I experience it. And that has been very helpful for me. Um, you know, that little group. And another thing is simply just, I like I noticed, now I've been a pastor for 25 years, you guys. And I never, you know, I never set out to be a pastor for my whole life. I never said, okay, that's my absolute 100%. I'm going to do it till I die or till I retire. It's always just been, I'm going to do it until I can no longer do it when it's no longer good for my soul, when I, or if I sense there's a different calling. And I think, and this is a really vulnerable thing to say, but I think I always assume that right around this age that I am right now, I would do a transition. I would transition from being a local church pastor to being kind of a writer and pastor and speaker at large, you know? I never knew how I was gonna make money doing that, but I think that's just, that's just what I assumed I would graduate into. And, but then over the last six to 12 months, I noticed that I was spending a lot of energy trying to figure that out, like figure out the timeline of when I could graduate into that and figure out the finances of it and figure out, you know, what that would mean for my church. And I was having conversations with people and, and none of this was like imminent, you know, like I'm going to do this next month. It was always like in a few years. So it never felt like, you know, urgent. But that was the trajectory I was on. Well, anyway, there was something just very connected to this, your life is your curriculum part, that there was some point at which I, and I, I, I don't have a conscious moment when I chose this, but at some point I crossed the Rubicon into saying, you know what, instead of like angstily, that's not a word, angstily, Instead of getting angsty about when I would make this transition, instead of lingering with this idea that, you know, maybe I'll stop being a local church pastor and start doing something else. There's an energy to that. Instead of that, I simply decided, no, you know, I'm 50. 
So for the last dozen or so productive, really productive years of my like full-time work life, I, I am going to stay being a local church pastor. Uh, and I just, I noticed that one day that I had sort of crossed that bridge. I'd made that decision. I'd, I'd said, you know, unless of course, you know, caveat, unless something major changes or happens and that could happen, that could happen. But I guess the decision was, I'm not going to spend the next 10 or 12 years trying to discern that. I'm going to say I am that. I am a local church pastor of my local church, which I love. It's a quirky little group of people in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Um, gosh, I love them. And I love being a pastor. I love having conversations with people about their faith and about reconstruction and about embracing what is and about you know, confronting confirmation bias and, uh, and, and, and discovering the Bible for what it really is, which is, a uh, oh man, that is a alarm that's going off. And, uh, no, to discover what the Bible really is, in my opinion, which is, you know, a bunch of buried treasure and timeless clues that allow every people of every generation to enter into these ancient stories. But those ancient stories are limited by the human consciousness of their time. And that's okay because we can meet with God and meet with each other and find ourselves in those stories and imagine what God might be saying to us now. And that just brings so much, so much grace and so much life instead of reading a rule book of a bunch of things that don't make sense. When they don't make sense, maybe they're there for on purpose not to make sense so that we can wrestle it down together and come up with a solution for our time. <laughs> Love that. So part of embracing my life as my curriculum involves vocation. And there's something very settling about saying that out loud. Of course, I need to repeat the caveat. This is not some binding promise. This is just, this is rather, I'm choosing to no longer live in the ambiguity of maybe I'll leave it at any moment to graduate to this speaker, writer, pastor at large. If that becomes my calling at some point, then I'm trusting that that will be abundantly clear, not just to me, but to all the important people in my life. But that's very different from then just, just thinking about something to death. You know what I mean? Like just thinking about something and trying to make it happen. Uh, it's just very different. And I feel so at peace about that. So I'm learning to accept that. You know, and it feels good. It feels good. So, my friends, your life is your curriculum. Learn to... Uh, lean into these things that you'd rather they disappear. It's okay if you don't want them to be here. I don't want them to be here either. <laughs> I don't want COVID to be here. I don't want riots to continue. I don't want division to continue, but that's where we are. So instead of numbing it away or pushing it away or pretending that it's not there or mindlessly and fruitlessly engaging in fights with people in order to convince people what to think, how to think, what would it look like to set an intention to be with it as it really is and continually learn from it, learn who you are out of it without, without the convenience of it going away? 
And then you need to, like I did and I am doing, name some of the things that you need in order to make it through these trying times. Play, poetry, music, a few friends, um, some inspiration here and there. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that you need to name some of those things. And you probably can't figure it out on your own. So get some people around you that are going to help you figure it out. Ah, it's good. Well, that's your life user curriculum. I, uh, what's coming up for the podcast is I am interviewing some really fascinating people these days. Those are going to come out in the next few weeks. I have a few in the bank, so there really will be a podcast next week. (laughs) I promise it's already in the can. And then we'll see. I am also planning on doing some more of these solo ones because I really love doing that, these little mini sermons. Uh, And um, so thanks. Thanks for going on the journey with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for allowing me to have a space where I can figure out what I'm thinking. It's all good. Grace and peace, friends. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.